Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tay Frazier, and as always, I am joined by BJ Armstrong, a.k.a. The Kid. And today we are joined by comedian Gary Owen. So smooth, so safe. Comedian Gary Owen, uh, we're happy to have you here on Pushing Through. G- Gary, what's going on in your world? Yeah, I've actually been big on the road a couple times. Right. Since it's locked down. Yeah. How's that been, Gary? On the road is with all of the new COVID-19. How's that been for you and the interaction with the fans? And if I, well, I, I'm no, afraid to laugh, right? Well, there's no real interaction with the fans anymore. <laughs> and the comedy clubs are half full. So they, you know, if it holds 500, they're getting 250 people in. And they, I was in Arlington last week, Texas, and they got these, um, they're kind of like plexiglass partitions in between the tables. It's almost like you're at a bank teller machine. Or so, how many at a table? How many at a table? Like two, four people at a table per table? You can buy a two top or a four top. So even if you have three people that want to go, you got to buy the four seats. Because mm. they can, can no longer just sit people with you. You have to know the people you're coming with. So two tops and four tops is how they sell them now. So if you want to come solo, you still got to buy two tickets. Mm. When you got three people, you got to buy four seats. That's how it works. And Gary, how how different is that being a comedian, like being in this space, being in this world? I know Chappelle came back and, and put out that Netflix special where, you know, he had people come and set up seats and everyone was distanced and everything. But just that process of getting back into comedy and then to make comedy in, in such a time, how hard is that to, to kind of wield those two things at the same time? It's not hard. It's like it's exciting because I've been doing it so long. I've, I've always said I wish I could get that feeling in my stomach again of when I started, like when I was open micing, and you're just happy to have stage time. Well, this is the closest I've gotten to that because I didn't do stand-up for like three months. And then right when I come back and it looks like we're going the right direction, then this second wave hits. So I don't know, week to week, but it was good to get back on stage. And I was like, I kind of got butterflies again. But it does, you don't, you're just not funny. If you're funny, you're funny. That kind of is automatic. <laughs> If you're funny, you're funny. Well, you're one of these funny guys. And I, I think every time I, I, I'm here and, and with you and I have chatted before, how are you working on new material now? Like, this, it's so serious right now. This is a very serious thing, obviously. And what are you seeing out there that the rest of us aren't seeing that you can share with us? You know, what, what are you seeing right now? I'll say this. We, the last three months, I think we lived so much off the internet uh we really think like people are at each other's throats like everything you see in the news whether you're republican or democrat uh, with the black lives matter movement um with donald trump and everything but when i've been to a few new cities and i've been on the road i mean people are still like cool in person and one thing I've, i've learned through all this is i think when you get people together um and they can talk most people are rational thinking people and you can have disagreements and, and listen, but with the internet, geez, you would think this country's in <laughs> chaos. But when you see people out, it's, it's not like that. At least I haven't seen it by, with the interactions I've had with people. And Gary, we have to, we have to ask, I mean, the, your fan base is probably predominantly black. So, I mean, you are. Or, or white women that date black men. Those white so, women like black guys, they really like me. 
So you're that guy. So in, in this time, you know what I mean? You kind of become the face of what we're, when we're talking about the, the white people that are, that like everyone's like, well, let's ask Gary about this. Have you gotten lots of questions in your circles where, you know, you have to answer some tough questions or are you trying to make light of it? You're trying to make some comedy. What, what, what is it going? What's going on in Gary Owens world with this whole situation? No, I try to make, I don't try to take anything too serious. Uh, <laughs> even with, you know, we're tearing down the statues now of all these, these, you know, um, Confederate soldiers and Christopher Columbus, but we got to replace them. So I said, let's just replace them with women. Men have been up long enough, but not historical figures because when you put somebody famous, they find out all the bad stuff they did. Then you got an argument. You got to put up like a teacher or a nurse or like a stay-at-home mom, like maybe breastfeeding. I don't want, I don't want the baby on the nipple, like almost there. Yeah. Like it's a circle of life. Who don't want to see a, a beautiful 36C just feeding the baby right in front of the courthouse? You know, Gary. I for think the family. <laughs> no, for the family. No. You know, it was funny. I knew you were coming on today and uh, I was talking, I talked to a lot of people in the bubble. I don't know if you've been following this, this experiment, this thing they have the NBA yeah. going on. I think the NBA missed a valuable opportunity <laughs> to have you in the bubble reporting <laughs> What's really going on? Because Dude, I'm wide open for because that. I, I think because it, I think it's just going to be so much humor that can come from it. I think we might have missed this opportunity to say we should have Gary go down and report what's going on because I think there will be a lot of material. Make the call, BJ. <laughs> I, I just here's what I love. I love it how they're like, well, these guys got to be away from their families for like two three months. I go, um. Those aren't the guys you got to worry about. <laughs> 21 single dudes you got to worry about sneaking holes into the bubble, trying to break up the bubble. <laughs> like this. The, the family men, they're fine. They're solid. <laughs> I go, can we get somebody really coming? Like, I ain't lie. The three guys I've heard leave the bubble, I immediately thought they went after a hoe. The, the girl, I didn't think they were getting food. I go, oh, he's trying to get I see what's going on. <laughs> I never thought they were feeding food. Can, can you be our special correspondent? Because every time when I speak, I was like, we've missed a real, that's a special. Like three months of reporting of what's going to happen down there. I just think it's going to be hilarious. I, I'm down, man. If you want to make a phone call, I'm down. <laughs> I might have to, I might have to, um, I might have to, you know, uh, learn up some foreign languages with there's so many foreign players now in the league Luca and I don't know there's so many Duka Gakovic's I think they would listen to you Gary for sure I have to ask you I mean are you a sports fan like being in the comedy space being in the entertainment space come we seem <laughs> come on now I'm from Cincinnati man so I'm you're a Beatles fan are you excited for you yeah, I'm the okay. biggest Bengals fan. Okay. It ain't Nick Lachey. Me. <laughs> it ain't Bootsy Collins. Actually, I'll tell you, talk about NBA. Interesting story. I don't know if you knew this, BJ. My kids from kindergarten on grew up with Jackson Hayes from the Pelicans. Mm, really? Nice. Yeah. When I say... Um, uh, That's right. I, uh, I didn't realize... I knew he was going to be big. I know he's going to be seven foot. Right. But... His junior year of high school, he barely played. He really? averaged like one point a game. 
And then he grew between his junior and senior year. And I remember his senior year, he had already committed to Texas mm-hmm. where he's getting all these D1 offers. And I go, Jackson? Like, I'm happy for him, but I was going, what? Did I miss something? <laughs> and I went to, like, the third game, his senior year of high school at Moeller High School in Cincinnati. I'm sitting with his mom and dad, and I went – I literally looked at his dad, and I go, yo, what's – come on, man, when's he going to do something? They're going to the second quarter, and he stole the ball and went from, like, one foot inside the free throw line, and Dander did a windmill dunk, and I went, oh, cat it. I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> when did that happen? You know, his dad and I went to college together. At Iowa. Jonathan, yeah, at Iowa. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And you so know, his dead. mom was the basketball player, though. Yeah, I thought she was a volleyball. Was she, I thought she, no. was she a basketball? She, okay. Christy basketball. went to Drake and mm, took him to the Sweet 16. That's right. That's right. And averaged right. like 30 points a game at Drake. Yeah, I just saw Jonathan uh, about six, about, no, nah, it's about eight months ago. We were back in Iowa for this event. And him and Chuck Long and those guys, but yeah, so we went to we went to uh, college together. And, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my guy, man. Now his uh, Jackson's sister is going to UC to play basketball next year. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just full of knowledge you guys don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, what else do we know about Jackson Hayes? Like the Pelicans are gonna make a run for Jackson Hayes. You know what I mean? I should have wore his jersey. <laughs> you should have. It is cool though, like um, seeing a kid from like you know, kindergarten, first grade. And, you know, I felt like I've uh, been with him the whole time because I've got, it was funny seeing his, you know, his parents at PTA meetings and I got to know him. And then we became real close with the families. And it's just cool seeing him in the league now, especially how it came about. It wasn't like a Zion thing where, or LeBron where it was, it was from eighth grade on, people knew about him. He really came out of nowhere. Right, right. So it's, been, it's a big it's been kid. Cool his journey. Yeah, normally with big kids like that, they kind of mature a little later because the game now is being played, you know, small ball. So, uh, yeah. but he's really, especially this year, you know, until the, until the, you know, the game stopped, he's really coming on. Athletically, he's so athletic and uh, look like he's going to be a, a really good player up here for uh, many years to come. I'll tell you a funny story about his, he's, now he's got, there's four of them mm-hmm. and he's got two little brothers. I think they're going in eighth and ninth or seventh and eighth or something like that. But they're gonna they're gonna be a lot of fire alarms pulled and a lot of uh, trouble with those two younger brothers of Jackson Hayes. <laughs> would you care to expand? <laughs> so his mom Christy would always um, we'd always see her at the school functions, right? So it's the first day of school, and I think um, Jackson might have been in sixth grade, and so the the his brothers were like three and four years old, and first day of school and his mom's like checking Jackson and, and Jillian and his sister and the two little brothers one's got like a He-Man action figure and he's crying and he's hitting the other one he's him on his head the one getting hit in the head is not crying the one hitting him is bawling and I'm going what's wrong with your kids Chris why is this kid going and the other kid's going I go, what is, she goes, I don't know. <laughs> They're going to be a problem. Get hey, hey, Gary, I got I to gotta ask you this. I was trying to picture you going into a parent-teacher conference. Mm. Yeah. So what's the reaction? <laughs> okay, you come in, everyone's like, and then all of a sudden, you walk in. What is, your, what is the response? <laughs> well, are you like the parent? Are you like... <laughs> 
I got an so, audience. What happens my, here? My wife just tells me, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say a word. Since he, like our kids, like they end up from, from kindergarten through uh, 10th grade. They went to like private. One went to Christian school, Sensei Hills Christian Academy. And Austin ended up going to Moeller which is a boys Catholic school and Kenya, my wife would always be like, just don't say nothing. Cause they always ask, why'd you choose a school? Why'd you come here? And you know, I just feel like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think? No one has nothing to do with the athletic or your amazing biology program. <laughs> what do you think we're here? <laughs> Oh, man. That's you, funny. Yeah, I was like, Gary, you are just talking about pranks and the Hayes, you know, the, the younger Hayes when they come up and they're going to be doing all these pranks. If you look at the bubble, we've seen Ding Dong Ditch happening already. Is there anything that, as a comedian, do you see pranks happening in the bubble? Would you try to implore people to, to do certain pranks in the bubble? Is there anything that you would think of to do in the bubble? Are you a pranks guy? All these things. Are, are these things something that you would want to do and participate in? Bet you won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you won't leave the bubble. <laughs> just all it takes is a dare. I'm just saying, if I'm playing, if I'm playing like Memphis and I got John Moran or Zion, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna line up like four of the baddest chicks I could find right outside the bubble. Like, John, these girls, they, they want to holler at you. John <laughs> left the bubble. He can't play for ten days. Snitch How did that happen? <laughs> You're gonna have you have helicopters hovering, hovering women over, and they can drop them right into the bubble. Why are like helicopters? They didn't leave; they got dropped in, but they didn't leave the perimeter because the bubbles bubbles this way. There's no rules about collusion either, so you can make it happen. Where the hell these cool girls get in the pool? They're just falling in. Just an accessory to some work. Oh, man. oh, you know, you know, Gary, you know, I have such an admiration of what you do. And, you know, I think one of, if not the hardest thing is to get up on stage and do what you do. How do you get the nerve or the confidence to get on stage and do what you do? Because you have no idea whether or not it's funny or not, or people will get the joke how do you how 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 does you know how does a a regular guy like myself say you know what i i, I got the i got the confidence now to do this. <laughs> how do you do this? <laughs> how do i get into character i don't know i that's all i ever wanted to do i didn't want to do anything else from like sixth grade on was all i want to do is be a stand-up that's it so i always say it just has to be in you there's no I see people taking comedy classes. I think that's such a waste of money. I'm like, the only way you become a stand-up is you get on stage and you just find your voice while you're up there. You don't know what it is. The first time you get on stage, you don't know what direction you're going. Chappelle was not Chappelle the first time he got on stage. His first time at open mic at 14 years old, they didn't know what direction he was going. You just kind of find your voice as you go. I don't know. To me, all stand-ups, it's in you. It's not something you can teach. It's not like I think I want to do it. Either you do it or you don't. It's just got to be in you. 
And stand-up stand is different from being a, a comedic actor, you know, like being in a daddy daycare, for example, like you're in that movie. So that, that transition from being a stand-up comedian to then being, you know, in, in, in films and, and being a star in films later on in your career, what was that like? Is that something you, you said you wanted to be a stand-up, but did you know you wanted to be a guy that would be featured in actual film? Well, I think one hand feeds the other. Yep. I think the more you do stand-up, the better you get at it. Hopefully people see you and you start getting in certain projects. And I was talking to Michael Ely on my podcast, actually. And I was talking about, I would think if I was in a movie with like Denzel or Anthony Hopkins or something like that, I might be a little intimidated. Like, oh, I don't want to mess up my lines. Mm -hmm. Or like Clint Eastwood, I'm like, I, don't, I really don't want to mess up my line. But he goes, but on the other hand, Michael said, comedians, we're fearless on camera because we'll try something that's not on the script <laughs> a lot of times. We're like, mm -hmm. a lot of actors, they're just sticking to the script. Where he goes, you comedians, man, as as actors, we got to be on our toes because we're like, we don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> Where he's going with this. Because I, 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 I've gotten shot down a few times in some movies doing something like, where are you going with this? I go, I don't know. I'm just winging it. <laughs> That had nothing to do with this scene. Wow, I thought it was funny, though. <laughs> Gary, what, what was your first show that you actually did? Was it the Wayans Brothers? I feel like that was the first time I saw you on TV. Uh, that was my first TV appearance. My first actual acting gig was uh, held up with Jamie Foxx. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Which was crazy because when that movie got casted, which was the summer of 98, um, that cast now is unreal because you got Sarah Paulson who's Oscar nominated mm -hmm. yep. Jamie Foxx who's won an Oscar we don't have to get into that um Rosalind Sanchez who like two years after held up was the lead in Rush Hour 2 with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan and I mean myself and it's just a, a unreal cast looking back on it <laughs> like 20 plus years later like how, we all end up doing okay it's not okay, like a horror story do you prefer television over film or it really doesn't matter? No, I prefer movies mm. because you have more freedom. I think the one issue I got with television is, especially with the way network TV is, we're in a cancel culture and you can't really say what you want to say and do what you want to do. They're so scared because people want to be offended nowadays. Where to me, still the best shows was All in the Family and the Jeffersons and Sanford and some where they just, they hit race head on and we all laughed about it. Well, nowadays everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. And people want to get upset instead of just laughing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I much prefer film over TV. Well, if I'm on not a network show, like someone on HBO or something like that, that's different, but you still want to, I want to push them. <laughs> I, to me, racial humor is always the funniest. Um, as long as it's not coming from a malicious intent. It's the it's the funniest jokes. Like they just right. are to me, because we every culture does funny stuff. Right, right. All right. the funny stuff. You know what I mean? God, man, I went to I went to my buddy passed away. His black dude went to his funeral. I don't want to make a joke about it, but jeez. <laughs> I think the preacher went out there. He was just trying to get clients. Go, you know one story about Devin? One dude. <laughs> I was waiting for to pass the damn tray around. <laughs> right. like, Dude, we're not giving them money at the funeral. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I don't know if we, you can touch on it, but um, you know, I've been following this. You got this special coming out with, with Boogie. Yeah, Boogie it just came of, out yeah. on Friday. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Talk about let, it a little bit. Or... <laughs> How did this all come together? I mean, you and Boogie, I can only imagine the humor yeah. there. You know, I, I like, tell us a little bit about this. <laughs> well, let me tell you about the special, the behind the scenes thing. So this, this is, so DeMarcus called and they're going to do the special. Now, we filmed the special April of last year and he was still with the Warriors. Okay. Right? And I was getting ready to do my Showtime special in June. So I went in going, okay, I don't want to do any jokes that I'm doing on my special. So I, I, I got the hour and set it aside for my special. And I was like, okay, I got to come up with another 1520 for Boogie's thing. Now, when you see it, it's on Amazon Video On Demand right now for $3.99 for your viewers. Okay. When you see it, my set is about six, seven minutes on the show. There's about four or five mm -hmm. comics. They had to edit out at least 10 minutes of my act. Because I got a heckler, and I started really getting on him raw, like a little too raw. And you got Steph Curry in the front dying laughing. Steph Curry's corporate. <laughs> you cannot have Steph Curry laughing at some of the things I was saying to this dude. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we can't risk it. <laughs> so literally, 10 minutes of my stuff is gone. <laughs> it's out. And I was just like, and Steph wasn't laughing. Steph was like hitting his wife. Oh. <laughs> All in all his he was like, well, we can't have that. We can't have that. <laughs> we can't have him losing the Under Armour. Because <laughs> that's the problem. Right. I tell a joke, an inappropriate joke, where I'm dealing with a heckler. And when you get a heckler, the cameras are no longer on. It's, uh, it's, it's fight or die on that stage. And I'd rather fight and get it edited out than die on the stage. So it was, I was, I went after everything about everything inappropriate I said that night. <laughs> you can go from there. Anything inappropriate I said that night. <laughs> I, I'd be canceled from four different organizations right now. <laughs> yeah, that was airing. But it was like, I'm not, I'm not getting booed. That's not gonna happen. So exactly. I'm not, I'm not letting the heckler get the best of me. So I just, I went for the throat and uh, Steph was laughing. So he was like, we're going to take that out of the special. <laughs> so for those of you who didn't see it, my set is seven minutes, but they took out 10. <laughs> the, the best 10. Can, can, we, can, I, can we get our hands on that? Can we, can we see it? Where do we see the behind the scenes? Under Armour. Under Armour has it. Well, <laughs> Under Armour has the tape. picked up by a team, might want to, it's probably being shown in the bubble. <laughs> that's bubble comedy right there bubble comedy all right but that's the best comedy because like i've roasted a lot of nfl teams and uh i used to always do usc when coach carroll was there mm -hmm. and those are my favorite shows because there was no cameras there was no media and i want it that way because i want to go after the guys and i want them to come after me with no regard when and no restrictions and nobody getting offended you mm -hmm. know what i mean Cause like I did, um, I roasted Alabama and Clemson the, before they played the national title game in 2016 when it was in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was me, Anthony Anderson, Faison Love, Tony Rock, and and Ronji. We all went and we did Alabama first at their hotel. Then we all got in buses and we went over to um, Clemson's hotel. But they told us ahead of time you got to be clean, right? <laughs> so I did a joke about. Dabo Sweeney and his wife sleeping together after I said, if you guys beat Alabama, 
I was basically saying Debo Debo's gonna be blowing his wife's back out after, <laughs> after the game. And you guys are gonna be hearing Debo all over the hotel, right? I kept it clean, I kept it, I didn't curse or anything. Um why was it when the show's over, Dabo came up to me, great show. The team came to me, great show. I, I stayed within the parameters. One person complained. Mm. One person complained that did not have anything to do with the football team that was a staff member at Clemson. And it was a lady that complained. So now I, I had to write some apology. I didn't write it. <laughs> My publicist wrote it. <laughs> They didn't want to apologize. They go, just do it. I said, go ahead. That's what I'm paying you for. Go ahead. <laughs> Take care of that one. But it had nothing to do with Dabo Sweeney. He probably didn't know anything about it. The players didn't know anything. But it just shows you, like, one lady was there had that wasn't even on the football team, just worked at Clemson. I don't know what her job was at Clemson. And it's like, why are you upset? Nobody saw this but the team and the players. And there was no cursing. There was no disrespect. It was basically – I did a joke about Dabo Sweeney having sex with his wife, which by the Bible was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Quick break to get aware from our sponsor, Tropical Bros. Whether you're hitting the course with friends, planning your weekend getaway, or thinking about an upcoming party, Tropical Bros has what you need. They have golf polos, Hawaiian shirts made from the lightest, most incredible stretch polyester blended fabric to keep you comfortable while enjoying life in style. BJ and I, we spend our life in style. We're always rocking Tropical Bros. That's right, bros, not brothers. You can check them out and like them on Instagram at tropical.bros. Visit them at tropicalbros.com and put in promo code PUSHIN to get 20% off with that discount code P-U-S-H-I-N. Again, go to tropicalbros.com, promo code PUSHIN for 20% off. Back to Gary on. You know, you know, Gary, I, you know, being in the public, you know, spotlight for many years of my life, I can remember the first time I got booed. It was such a terrifying experience. Like, I was like... Oh my, I was like, oh wow. You know, it kind of took me aback, you know? Can you remember the first time you're, when that moment happened for you? Where you, like, when that moment happened for me, I just lost all my fear of like, I gotta do what I gotta do. And I remember just losing all the fear of being booed or what was happening. And I was okay, whatever the outcome was. Can you remember that first moment where, you know, you got all your jokes, you got everything lined up, and suddenly that heckler comes out and says something. Now you literally are, you know, like, I got to fight for my life up there. Yo, why are you bringing all this negative stuff? <laughs> what is that negative? <laughs> no, I, I just think it's, I just think it's, I admire the, yeah, no, I, I just admire the fact of what you just said. I mean, like, you went after this person. I, mean, I don't know if that was part of the script. I'm assuming it wasn't part of the no, script. Hell no, hell no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, thing? Yeah, yeah, the boogie. No, like... it wasn't part of the script. And he was in the balcony. That means he bought bad seats. Dude, going to heckle. Get the good seats, bro. Way up there. I can't even hear you. You're heckling from the balcony. No, I think, like, every, every comic's had their moments where the show, you had a flat audience. And listen, when you open mic and you first starting, the difference is when you get a decent name and people pay money to see you, you don't get hecklers a lot because people are paying money to hear you speak. They want to hear what you're right. saying. When you first start out and you're doing bars and um, open mic rooms and just you know people putting shows together, they don't know who you are, and especially free tickets. 
Whenever you see free tickets, <laughs> that's going to be a rowdy show because that people aren't really paying to see you. Right. I think this, the scaredest I ever was, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was really, I freaked out one night. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was the night before Thanksgiving. And the way this bar was set up was they did comedy from like eight to 10. And then afterwards, it becomes a nightclub. And you know, the night before Thanksgiving is one of the biggest party nights in the country. Right. And the, it st- first of all, the show started late. What didn't start at eight, it started like nine. And then by the time I got on stage, it was already 11. So now I'm on stage as the people that just want to go to the nightclub are coming in. So now I'm kind of, I've got the people there for the stand up and I'm fighting this bar. And the bar <laughs> is in the room. So if you order a drink, I can hear you ordering. <laughs> yeah, let me get a crowd of coke. I, okay. I get these jokes out. So literally I, I got some dude and we were going back and forth. We were actually having a good time. He was he was good natured. I was being good natured. We you know, he's talking smack back and forth. It was fun. I said, Well, hey man, why don't you come on stage? We can play the dozens. And then I looked this way and this, there was two guys on the stage. I don't know how I got on stage. Where was security? All they remember, they both had nothing but gold all in their mouth tattoos on their neck and i think i broke the long jump record <laughs> i looked over and i jumped off the stage and there was like a section i jumped into the dj booth i was like <laughs> so i still got the mic now i'm talking smack but i'm away from <laughs> and i didn't know these guys were known dudes in louisville they had to take me out the back of the club and i got in the car and all i remember i was with the off-duty police officer and he had his gun on his lap. His pistol was on his lap. And I go, yo, what is that all about? <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah, those, those are some drug boys that came on the stage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? He goes, we're just playing it safe. So he takes <laughs> me back to the hotel. And I go, can you just stay right here? So I go up to my room and grab my bags. And I lived in Cincinnati at the time. So that's only a two-hour drive. Right. He goes, uh, yeah, you good? I said, oh, I'm not staying here. I'm, go- I'm driving home tonight. I ain't staying at the hotel. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. I gotta get home. Oh, I gotta get home. So then a week later, the promoter, the same guy that brought me this little hole in the wall in Louisville, goes, Hey man, they loved you out here, man. They want to bring you back. I said, I will never be back <laughs> for the rest of my life. That was I think that was the most like, whoa, what just happened? One, I didn't see him coming on stage. They were on the stage. And luckily they didn't do anything. And then for me to jump off the stage into the DJ booth. And then as soon as I said goodnight, just get basically escorted out like club security, took me out the back door and I was out. So <laughs> that was a wild night. <laughs> that was a wild night. I feel like you kept it positive though throughout that. Yeah, it's like, that was not a downer story at all. Uh, Gary, we, we appreciate was, you. Because yeah, nobody, nobody got shot. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all positive. Uh, Gary, we appreciate you coming on, pushing through. We appreciate you sharing your stories with, with us. We would love to have you uh, come back on. BJ, is there anything else we need, we need to get Gary uh, before we get out of here? Hey, you know, it's great. We're huge fans here. You're always welcome. And uh, we appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to work some on much trying to laughs. get you. Much yeah, I'm going to work on getting you down there in the bubble. I think it's just the, <laughs> I think it's the platform that I'll we all need. It. I'll go in negative. And I guarantee you I come out negative. <laughs> 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 where, where exactly are they staying on a Disney property, right? Yes. Now, how is that working? Are all the teams in the same hotel? No, I think they're on like I think it's like three or four different hotels mm-hmm. on the property though. Oh, okay. And the okay. games are going to be played in the hotel, right? 
Yeah, down there. It's on the ground. I think I think a lot of the practice facilities, I think they transformed the ballrooms to mm-hmm. the practice facilities, but I think they'll play the games in they have like a arena. The I worldwide complex. Yeah. yeah, the complex or something like that. I think that's how they're going to do it. That's going to be nuts, man. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait, but it's going to be nuts. Yeah, the ML- was, was empty. Jeez. The MLS is right there too. So like their bubbles actually like are on the same campus. So Oh, and, for real? Yeah, so I don't think people realize that there's no such thing as an actual bubble. <laughs> just I know it's not a bubble. It's, it's, I didn't yeah, no, think they a bubble. No, no, pe- people were like getting upset. They're like, "What do you mean the bubbles touch?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm down, man. I'm down to go in the bubble that's not a bubble. <laughs> You I just like to do. comment on the games. Uh, yeah, I know you hear me. I know you hear me. There's nobody here. I know you hear me. That would be amazing. Acknowledge me, Luca. Acknowledge <laughs> me. He said hi to Kobe. He said hi to Kobe. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. All right, man. BJ, we love you on uh, the last dance. Oh yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that? Wait, wait. I'm sure no, you. Nothing else to do. What were your thoughts? What what were your thoughts? I need your real thoughts. What were your real thoughts on the last dance? Uh, I think Jordan just makes stuff up in his head to get motivated. (laughs) He said something wrong to me. George Carl didn't say nothing to me. I'm like, dude, he just has to come up with reasons to get fired up. (laughs) I go, does he realize he's mad at somebody for talking to him wrong and not talking to him? No, I thought it was, I thought it was a good honest insight. And you know, I when people want to criticize people for being honest, I go, "Dude, we all got our quirks and things that make us tick and everything else." I thought Jordan was, you know, as open as he could be. Uh, I did see they geared it to make um every player look less than because well, they were, but <laughs> the way they made Peyton look, I go, "Oh, why this is a bad edit." You know, Peyton was the best shit talkers on the planet and when he said yeah i think i sold him down a little bit and then jordan took the ipad i went this ain't gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) set it down i go let gary respond you gotta let gary respond man (laughs) i i would have paid to see gary's response as he was watching it for the very first time that to me would have been classic oh i can't wait i can't wait to ask him about it (laughs) no i sold him down he, he only averaged 32 when I guarded him. He averaged 38 with everybody else. You're going to work it out in your head. I, I, love, I love Gary. Uh, Gary's one of my favorite. He just, you know, he, he's just there and Gary's got something. You know, he's got something going on. He's the best. Them he's Bay the Area best. guys. Nobody talks smack better than the Bay Area guys. Oh, that's, that's for sure. That's for sure. I'm in the water out here, man. Jason, I don't know why I'm a Jason kid. I don't know where his smack talking skills came from, but they weren't there. Like, no, are Ryder. <laughs> Good Lord. One year, was a good snap no, talker. One of the best is when uh, Gary Payton and Tim Hardaway would play against each other. So you had Chicago and the Bay Area. Now that was classic. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was that was classic. I can imagine. I can imagine. Did Jordan ever? He, well, he talked smack on the court. Oh, oh, he's a lot of smack. A lot of lot of talking. Yeah, you got a lot a of bit talk. Of uh, I got a I got a little bit of it. <laughs> a little bit of it, you know. You got a little taste. <laughs> 
Hey, you know, hey, but I got my jab in though. I got my one jab in though, Gary. You know, I got my jab in. <laughs> you got that little flash knocked down. Yeah. He was exactly. like in the great white hype when Damon got knocked down and went, what the? Like <laughs> <laughs> Jordan just looked at you. Oh, okay. I see what's going on. Like, here's the thing though. Jordan's like, yeah, I didn't like see. Basically, he was saying, I didn't like to see BJ happy. Because <laughs> what were you supposed to do? What were you supposed to do? You just beat the Bulls and you left the Bulls. You were just walk off. What was the one? The one guy said, was that you that said good game? Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I so said good game. And Joe went, oh, okay. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't say nothing. <laughs> you can be at Starbucks. Yeah, I want a, I want a caramel macchiato. Macchiato? You don't say macchiato around me. I knew what you meant. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mike? <laughs> yeah, when he's out there, he orders spaghetti. You don't just order spaghetti in front of me. I don't want anybody trying to hear that marinara and meatballs together. <laughs> so the whole game, I just thought marinara and meatballs. <laughs> So I put that sauce on him. <laughs> I was at that. That's the one. My one game I got to say I went to and saw Jordan play was um, I was at Game Six in Utah when he hit that shot over Brian Russell. Oh, you were there. And Brian was the one that left me tickets. Really? Yeah. And then I was. How do you know? Account. How do you know Brian? How do you, How did you guys? Um, he liked stand up, and then he booked me for a comedy show in Utah and right when I was starting out like 97, 98 and we just got cool and he'd always bring me out to Utah when he played the jazz. Anytime he had a, he had a softball tournament weekend and he did New right. Year's Eve one year. So we just got cool through stand up. You know, he'd come to the shows in LA and got to know me. And then literally it was like noon the day of game six. And a friend of mine was like, yo, one of Brian's good friends, like, yo, Brian left me tickets. If you want to go, we got in a car and drove from LA to Utah. Just rolled out to the game. And then I was like, um, I don't know, this is cool. And I was at Brian's house like an hour after the game. Yeah, like, nothing was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you figure he'd be down and depressed. He would just say, like, Yeah, this is all he said. Yeah, he pushed. That's all he said. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what did you say to Brian? I was like, This. Oh, man. You know, sorry, man. He's just laughing, cutting up. Soon as he has the door. Oh, what's up, Gary? I, go, I don't, I literally, I walked in his house. I go, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know if you're mad or what. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just cool. We pushed off. Let's get <laughs> then, dude, it's all he said. It wasn't like he cussed out Jordan. He went off and he pushed off. Went, that was it. He was thinking nothing about like depression or nothing. So when Jordan said, when Jordan said, I didn't push him. Yeah. In the in the documentary, but yeah. Brian claims, yeah, he pushed. Right. That's but it what, wasn't like he said. Um, that's why we lost the refs or some literally it was yeah man he pushed off. We, we, we <laughs> going to steakhouse, where we went? We ordering in. Like that was that was the extent of it. It wasn't some big huge deal. It was like it was literally like a game in November. It seemed like <laughs> Yeah, he pushed off is what it is. Just a ring. Anybody wearing rings anyways. I'm more Italian guy got earrings, you know. I, I ain't really into rings. <laughs> all right man all no, right we said goodbye 15 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs>